Welcome to the Spiritually Minded Women podcast. If you're a woman who is ready and willing to be a follower of Jesus, you're in the right place. Join me this season as we dive in deep to learn how to embrace your journey on the covenant path with checkpoints instead of checklists. I'm your host, Darla Trindler, and I'm cheering you on. Welcome to your journey. Welcome to the Spiritually Minded Women podcast. This season, we are diving in, talking about how you can embrace your journey on the covenant path with checkpoints instead of checklists. And today's topic is one that is, I feel is very important. We're going to be talking about silence. What do you do when you feel silence from God in your journey? So if you've been with me for a while, you may remember a five-part series I did back in 2019 on the Spiritually Minded Mom podcast about how to be more spiritually minded. That five-part series had a download that you could get, and there were pages that you could have for each of those episodes, and the reason for that was to help you apply what you were learning on the podcast. Well, I'm following that same model this season with a workbook that you can purchase and download because I want you to do more than just listen to the podcast. I want you to be able to apply the things that you're learning. So when we're talking about silence from God, I want you to be able to learn and go deeper with that after the podcast is over on your own. And so that's what the workbook is for. You can find a link to the workbook um, in the show notes on my website, spirituallymindedwomen.com or in my profile on Instagram. I would love to have you check that out. But one part of that series that I did back in 2019 was an exercise to help listeners understand how they feel the spirit. And from the very beginning of my work as a podcaster, I have felt a pull to help women understand how they feel and hear God in their lives. As I've talked to women about how they feel the spirit, many have shared with me that they feel silence. When I first heard this, I thought maybe they just don't recognize the spirit in their lives. Doesn't everyone feel the spirit? But through experiences with people close to me and discussions with listeners of my podcast and people that I've interviewed, I have come to see that sometimes there truly is silence. I've shared before this season that each of the topics of the episodes I'm sharing about are things that have touched me personally in my own journey. And this past summer, as I was in the middle of writing episodes and preparing for this season, someone close to me was experiencing silence. My experiences sitting with this person and pleading with God to help me know how to help them shaped what I am sharing in this episode about silence. Because of these very recent experiences in my life, in many ways, I feel that this is one of the most important episodes that I have ever shared as a podcaster. Why would a loving God be silent? I have thought and pondered deeply about this, and I certainly don't claim to have all the answers, but I have dug in and tried to find answers for myself, for those I love who struggle with this, and for any of you who are listening. I have prayed specifically for you who may be struggling with silence in your life. This episode will be a little bit longer than normal because I also wanted you to hear from someone who has personally felt silence in her life. So later in the episode, you'll get to hear from my friend, Melinda. It's not an interview. It's just her own words sharing her experience. And I think that you're really going to love that. So what is silence? I think of silence from God as two things. First, it's not feeling God's love. And second, not feeling direction from God. 
If you or anyone close to you has ever experienced either of both of those things, I hope this episode will bring you some hope. When you feel like God is silent in your life, Satan is going to be ready to pounce. Like the adversary wants you to believe that the reason you don't feel God's love or direction is because he doesn't love you. You haven't put in enough effort to feel or hear your sins are insurmountable or God isn't really there. Sisters, Satan is telling you lies. None of those things are true. Don't listen to him. So what is true? What could it mean if God feels silent in your life? First, silence could mean that God trusts you to make decisions and use your agency, or he's giving you experiences to help you grow your faith. Second, he may have already given you the answer and the silence is there because you already know your past experiences when you have heard him can help sustain you. And third, there may be something that is part of your human experience that is blocking you from feeling his love and direction. This could include things like mental health challenges, hormone imbalances, chronic pain, side effects from medication, or other physical ailments. So I want to go a little deeper with some examples of people who have experienced silence in some way. I think their stories will give you some insights into the purpose of silence, and I am so hopeful that you will feel more hope about your own experiences. If anything, by hearing these stories, you will know that you are not alone. You're in pretty good company if you've experienced silence from God in any way. Let me repeat, you are not alone. So let's start with Sariah. Sariah is the wife of the prophet Lehi in the Book of Mormon. She's also the mother of a prophet, Nephi, and she experienced silence when her boys were sent back to Jerusalem to get the brass plates. You know, this is one of the very first stories that we read about in the Book of Mormon. So they're out in the wilderness, and then Lehi says, we've got to send the boys back to get these brass plates. They needed to have the scriptures with them. It was a really important journey that they needed to go on. And while they're gone, Sariah doesn't know where they are or if they're safe. And as far as we know, she hadn't experienced the visions her husband had. I think Sariah is very relatable. As Elder Jack Gerard shared in a recent BYU devotional, quote, we are all more like her than we are like Lehi and Nephi. Most of us will not have direct visions and hear the voice of the Lord or see angels. Neither did she. End quote. So why didn't the Lord reveal to Sariah that her sons were okay and that they would return safely? I mean, she's married to a prophet. Couldn't he do that? Couldn't he have sent an angel to comfort her? Couldn't he have given her her own vision? Why did Sariah have to endure the silence? I think the account in First Nephi gives us some answers. When Sariah's sons returned, you can imagine her relief and the comfort that she must have felt. In First Nephi 5.8, Sariah tells us, Now I know of a surety that the Lord hath commanded my husband to flee into the wilderness. Yea, and I also know of a surety that the Lord hath protected my sons and delivered them out of the hands of Laban and given them power whereby they could accomplish the thing which the Lord hath commanded them. Through the silence that Sariah experienced, her faith was fortified. Notice how she uses the word surety. 
I don't think she would have known with as much surety if she had been given the information while her sons were still gone. The Lord was silent because he wanted to fortify her for things to come. Soraya needed to experience the silence so she could gain the surety. She would need that surety to get her through many more trials. Think about all that Soraya had yet to experience in her life, traveling in the wilderness, bearing children, trying to provide for them, feeling strife with two of her sons, threatening to kill another, the death of her husband, and eventually the splitting up of her family. Now, another example is Mother Teresa. What do you think of when you think of Mother Teresa? We all know who she was, right? This Catholic nun who did so much great just did so many good things in the world. I don't know about you, but I think of someone who won a Nobel Peace Prize. She was given the title of saint. And she, to me, is an incredible example of Christ-like love. Mother Teresa is definitely someone I think of as a person with an immeasurable amount of faith. Kate Holbrook, a church historian, spoke at the 2020 BYU Women's Conference and briefly mentioned in her talk that Mother Teresa went through long stretches of time where she felt God was silent. I went to the source in Kate's footnotes of that talk and learned that many of Mother Teresa's letters were published in a book. And although her public persona showed someone with great faith privately in her letters, she revealed that she struggled to hear God for as long as 50 years. And in these letters, she was asking her friends to pray for her. I don't completely understand how Mother Teresa could go on for years while struggling and feeling God was silent, but I think it's remarkable and shows great faith that she still went about doing his work and teaching others of his love despite her feelings. I haven't read all of her letters, but I wonder if perhaps Mother Teresa was looking for a big, huge moment to hear God. Maybe he was showing up in small ways. I don't know. Perhaps she had already had the answer she needed, and maybe there was something mental or physical blocking her from these feelings. Again, I don't know. But I don't think we really have to know those answers to learn from her. Mother Teresa's example shows that you can continue to exercise faith and do good, even in periods of silence. Another example is Joseph Smith. I think a period of time that Joseph Smith experienced could also illustrate someone feeling silence from God. Joseph has his vision of deity, as many of his close associates called it, when he was 14 years old. In my opinion, it was one of the greatest spiritual experiences had by anyone to ever live. It was huge. I mean, he saw God the Father and his son, Jesus Christ. We talk about the first vision all the time, but really step back and think about how monumental this experience was for Joseph. And then what happens? Joseph describes the time between the vision, seeing God the Father and Jesus Christ, and then Moroni's first visit to him. This is from the ages of 14 to 17. And in the Joseph Smith history, verses 27 through 29 in the Pearl Great Price, this is kind of a a summary of what he said there. He, He said that he suffered severe persecution from everyone around him because he wouldn't back down from his declaration of what he saw in his vision. He said he had temptations. He fell into foolish errors and displayed some weakness due to his youth and inexperience. He shares that some of what he did was, quote, offensive to God, but that we shouldn't assume that he was committing, quote, malignant sins, as he put it. 
He said he was guilty of levity, treating important things with too much humor. Uh, He said, I often felt condemned for my weakness and imperfections. I don't know exactly what Joseph was thinking during this time. I can imagine that maybe after having the most profound spiritual experience ever, he might've thought it would now be easy to hear God and that he would continue to feel the peace he felt in the grove. But that doesn't appear to be the case. In the grove, he was given the command to not join any of the churches, which he followed. He was promised that the fullness of the gospel would be shown to him in the future. In the book, Saints, you can read how during this time before Moroni appeared when he was 17, Joseph found that he had a gift of using a seer stone. So he wasn't totally devoid of spiritual experiences. However, he had felt a forgiveness of his sins during his first vision, but he struggled to continue to feel that peace. Remember, he said, I often felt condemned for my weakness and imperfection. In fact, on the night that Moroni appeared to him for the first time, just prior to that, he had been praying for forgiveness. Until Moroni showed up, we don't have any record of Joseph receiving more direction. I think Joseph's depiction of his own experience that he shares in the Pearl of Great Price paints a pretty good picture that he was experiencing some silence from God during those three years. He wasn't sure where he stood. He wasn't sure of his next steps. He felt like he was stumbling along. Can you relate to any of those feelings? Here is what I think we can learn from Joseph's experience with silence. I think we learn that sometimes God is showing his trust in us by staying silent. He wants us to gain some experience on our own. And we can use what we've experienced in the past, like Joseph using his first vision in the grove, to keep moving forward. Again, in the book Saints, it says that before Moroni appeared, Joseph was not only praying to be forgiven, but also to know where he stood with God and to receive the knowledge of the fullness that he had been promised during his vision. Joseph didn't give up. He kept trying and he didn't let the current silence discredit the spiritual feelings he had felt and experienced in the past. He remembered how his prayers had been answered before, so he continued to pray and exercise faith. Next week, we're going to talk all about remembering. But if you are experiencing silence, it may be that God is showing his trust in you. Let Joseph's experience bring you hope that you will learn necessary lessons from the silence and that it won't last forever. I mentioned in the beginning that silence may be felt due to something happening in your human experience. Challenges such as anxiety, depression, and physical pain may block you from feeling the spirit and may make God feel silent. I have people very close to me in my life who experience this. They feel others trying to discredit their feelings. They feel their worth is lacking. They feel shame for not being able to feel, and they feel alone. I reached out to my friend Melinda and asked her to share her thoughts and feelings. I've interviewed Melinda before, and I'll link up that episode um, in the show notes. But for this episode, she first wrote her experience with feeling silence from God due to depression. And I was just going to read that here at this point in the podcast episode. But after I thought about it, I just asked her to record herself reading what she wrote. I wanted you to hear her beautiful words in her own voice. So next, I want to play for you Melinda's story. Here are her words. Dear sister, I'm glad you're here. 
If I had it my way, we would be sitting down together in my living room in our sweats, eating something delicious, and talking all night about our challenges and breakthroughs, our gladnesses and sorrows, our dreams and our fears, our God and his silence. Even though we're not together in person, I want you to know that I see you. In the fall of 2017, I spiraled into a deep depression. I didn't see it coming and was sure it would only last a few weeks. We had just moved for the eighth time in 10 years. I had four children, the youngest of which was still in his first year, and I was sure it was another bout of postpartum depression that would be resolved with the proper care. Three years, three therapists, multiple anxiety attacks, another move, two medications, multiple run-ins with suicidal ideation and self-harming, hundreds of miles walked, one literal breakdown countless sun salutations, and months and months of trauma work later, I can finally say that I feel more like my old self, only stronger and more grounded in my testimony of Jesus Christ. Over the last three years, I have learned a lot of valuable life-changing lessons. I would never want to experience what I went through again, but I deeply cherish what I have gained. A few months into my depression, I was done with God's silence, and I let him know it. I grabbed the closest item on my bed, which happened to be a curling iron, and hurled it across the room as I screamed, Where are you? The tip of the curling iron landed straight into the drywall. The rest of it stuck out, the cord dangling, mocking me and my patheticness. I crumpled to the floor, sobbing. There was so much anger. I was doing everything I was supposed to be doing with real and true intent, but was receiving nothing. No comfort, no answers, no burning in the bosom, no relief, nothing. I had never experienced the I can't take care of myself, let alone for children kind of depression before, and I had never experienced silence from God. Where was he, and why would he go silent when I needed him the most? There is so much I want to share with you, but I have chosen the three things that have helped me the most as I have experienced God's silence. First, follow the breadcrumbs. Second, lean on your people. And third, saturate yourself in light. First, follow the breadcrumbs. On an earlier episode with Darla, I talked with her about the idea of following breadcrumbs. When I had first fallen prey to depression, I wanted deliverance. I knew that our God was a God of deliverance, and I knew that I had enough faith for him to deliver me from my enemy. It was who he was. It was what he did. I was on the shore of the Red Sea, and the sea would part any day now. But as the months passed, it seemed as if the darkness was only getting worse. This is when I began to try everything. If someone recommended a supplement, I took it. If someone said a certain diet had helped them, I tried it. If I heard about a book that might help, I read it. I listened to podcasts, found a therapist, went on walks, started a gratitude practice, served my neighbors, began meditating, spent time in nature, practiced yoga, went to the temple. I even tried energy healing. All of it was helpful, but there was still no deliverance. I hated to admit it, but I wasn't on the shore of the Red Sea. I was in the wilderness, and by the look of it, I was going to be there for the next 40 years. But then I remembered the cloud by day, the pillar of fire by night, and the manna. God was present with the children of Israel in the wilderness, and I had to choose to believe that he was present with me in mine. He sent manna to his children for daily sustenance, and I realized that he was sending me manna as well. They were my breadcrumbs. 
each suggestion, each recommendation, each book, each podcast, each hike in the woods, each trip to the temple, each coincidence, they were my manna. He was there with me every day, even in the darkness. His deliverance was his presence. Second, lean on your people. This one is vital. You have to open up to the people who love you best. The people who will listen to you, watch you ugly cry on Marco Polo, send you memes and gifs, call you when you're at your lowest, sit with you in silence, and check in on you when you start to isolate. You also have to find a good therapist, a therapist who will make you feel safe, who you can bear your soul to, who will listen and validate and challenge you and give you homework and help you see what you can't see. But your best family and friends, they need to know what you're going through. If you can't meet with them face-to-face, FaceTime, Marco Polo, and texting will be enough. It has been for me. You have to lean on your best people. Without the people who filled these roles for me during the last three years, I am sure I would not be here today. If you don't feel like you have a best person, reach out to someone you admire and trust. Last fall, I had an absolute breakdown. I spiraled down hard and fast. First, I told my best family and friends. Then I found a therapist. And then I reached out to a casual friend of mine from my homeward. Her name and face just kept coming to my mind. The hallmark of a breadcrumb. So I sent her a DM on Instagram, told her what I was going through, gave her my phone number, and before I knew it, she was texting me. This woman became a rock for me. She was the friend who convinced me to get on medication, the one who held my hand from across the country during the first few weeks of terrible side effects. She fasted for me and checked in on me almost daily for the first few months. And she taught me that when you find that you can't feel the spirit for whatever reason, the Lord sends people into your life to say the things that he wants you to hear. This happened one night when I sent this particular friend a text. Hey, I need your words. I feel like God has abandoned me. I know he hasn't, but it feels like he has, and Satan's lies are loud and winning, and I'm trying to fight them, but I just need your words. Am I even lovable? She got my text immediately, and we text back and forth for a while before she told me, If you can't feel the spirit, I am feeling it for you, right now. Go into your car and read your patriarchal blessing. I am feeling very strongly that I should tell you that right now. I am also feeling that I should tell you that you are loved much more than you realize. I didn't want to read my patriarchal blessing. I had it memorized, and I was too angry at God to believe he would speak to me through it. And I didn't want to go out into my car. My house was quiet. The rest of my family was watching a movie in the other room. Why the car? But I followed the direction. It was a breadcrumb after all. After an hour or so in the car, this is the text I sent back to my friend. I was skeptical about the car until I walked outside and saw the stars. I spent hours as a little girl, lying on my trampoline looking up at the stars, praying. There was so much going on in my little life, and I had been through so much. I needed to believe that God was real, and that he could hear me, that I mattered to him. I gained a testimony of God and his son while lying under the stars at a very young age, because I needed so badly for the gospel to be true. I needed to believe that I was loved and lovable. 
and needing it turned into knowing it. Sitting out here under the stars tonight reminds me of that little girl and the God she came to know and love. The stars are in the same place shining their light, just as they've always been. And so is he. Your best people will never leave you, and God is one of your best people. Lastly, saturate yourself in light. God is light. Our heavenly parents are full of truth, beauty, and goodness. Truth can be found in many places, but it is always found in God's word. Beauty can be found in God's creations and in the creations of his children. And goodness is found in God himself and also in his children. Searching for truth, beauty, and goodness each day has been one way that I saturate myself in light. In January of 2017, I took then-Elder Nelson's challenge to increase my testimony of the Savior by learning all I could about Jesus Christ. That fall, when the Depression hit, I found myself sitting on the corner of my couch all day long watching the leaves sway in the breeze outside my bay window. Meals and diaper changes were about all I could muster the strength to do those days. That and read. So I found a copy of the Book of Mormon and began reading and highlighting every reference to God and His Son that I could find. During that time of my life, I felt as if I were living in complete darkness, impenetrable by God's light. But as I searched for Jesus in the scriptures, it was as if I were poking holes in the darkness and small beams of light were breaking through, entering into my very being. Those hours spent looking for Christ didn't take away the depression, but they did provide subtle feelings of calmness and peace. His presence. Light broke through little by little. Since then, I have delved into everything I can find that helps me know more about my Savior. Saturate yourself in Jesus through books, podcasts, Instagram accounts, friendships, music, nature, anything that brings calmness into the chaos of the darkness. My favorite scripture is found in Exodus 14.14, when the children of Israel find themselves on the shore of the Red Sea with the Egyptians on their heels. God tells Moses, The Lord shall fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. The Lord is fighting for us, especially when we are in darkness. Are we fighting for him? Do we fight for his words, his light, his presence? Because that is what the darkness demands. God is fighting for us. We must be willing to fight for him. Sometimes I find that my earnest pleadings for relief and answers and deliverance take over my pleadings for relationship with God. Our God is a God of relationship, and more than anything, he wants relationship with you. Searching for him in the wilderness is not easy, but the depth of relationship that comes in finding him there, at least for me, has been worth every scrape, every tear, and every day spent in the darkness. To know him as I know him now has been worth all of it. I recently came across another scripture in Exodus, one about the wilderness. It is found in Exodus thirty-three fourteen, and it says, My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. God didn't promise a specific day when the children of Israel would find rest. He didn't promise the journey would be easy. Instead, he promised his presence, because his presence is his deliverance. Choose to believe that he is near you. Look for the ways he is trying to communicate with you, 
Believe that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Believe that he loves you. Believe that he has done and is doing everything he can do to get through the clouds of darkness to the daughter he cherishes. You haven't done anything wrong. He isn't disappointed in you. He has not forsaken you. He has graven you upon the palms of his hands. He sees you. Sending all my love and his light your way. Melinda Joy What do the people in these examples teach you? If you are experiencing silence from God, remember what you just learned from these examples. Sariah, silence gives us surety and fortifies us for greater challenges. Mother Teresa, you can continue to exercise faith and do good even in periods of silence. Joseph Smith, God trusts us and wants us to have experiences on our own. Remember the past experiences and that silence doesn't last forever. And then Melinda, hold on to the breadcrumbs and keep searching for his light. There is hope and he will send people to help you. As I was preparing this episode and all the episodes, I dove in deep to the scriptures. And I want you to be able to go to the scriptures to find answers. So if you have the question, what can you do right now if you feel silence? Here are some answers that I found in the scriptures. Hold on to the times when you could hear and feel him. Moroni 10.3 says, Remember how merciful the Lord hath been and ponder it in your hearts. Trust him. Alma 36.3 For I do know that whosoever shall put their trust in God shall be supported in their trials and their troubles and their afflictions and shall be lifted up at the last day. Have hope and patience. Romans 8.25 Hope for that which we see not, and with patience wait for it. Another question that you might ask is, what can you remember during the hard times of silence? First, as Elder Uchtdorf put it, quote, your mistakes have not disqualified you from heaven's reach, end quote. Christ has been lower than anything you feel or experience. Doctrine and Covenants 122.8 the Son of Man hath descended below them all. Remember that silence won't last forever. All of the examples I shared illustrate this. And DNC 38, 7 through 8 says, But behold, verily, verily, I say unto you, that my eyes are upon you. I am in your midst, and ye cannot see me. But the day soon cometh that ye shall see me and know that I am. Remember, the Savior understands and knows how to help you. He will take upon him their infirmities, that his bowels may be filled with mercy according to the flesh, that he may know according to the flesh how to succor his people according to their infirmities. That's found in Alma 7.12. Thank you for being here today. I have shared this episode that I feel is so important. Join me next week on the podcast where I'll be sharing more thoughts about embracing your journey on the covenant path with checkpoints instead of checklists by talking about remembering the Savior by doing. Come join me in the journey. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. And if you did, please share it with a friend. I would love it if you would leave a review and rate it on Apple Podcasts. This actually helps more women find the podcast and embrace their own journey on the covenant path. To get access to the workbook for this season and to find show notes and other resources, head over to spirituallymindedwomen.com. 
For more inspiration, follow along on Instagram at spiritually minded women. Have a fantastic day. I'm cheering you on in your journey.